Here's your opportunity to listen and learn from the most successful people driving growth and success in Palm Beach County and beyond. Welcome to the Business in Paradise Palm Beach podcast with Carrie Stamp, founder of Carrie Stamp and Company, Principled Wealth Advisors. Carrie and his guests share stories and insights from Palm Beach County's most successful executives, entrepreneurs, and community leaders. Learn how they made it to where they are today, what principles guide them, how they mentor others to achieve success, and more. Welcome to the Business in Paradise podcast. I'm your host, Carrie Stamp. I'm broadcasting from my offices in Tequesta, Florida. I'm a certified financial planner, and the goal of the Business in Paradise podcast is to interview amazing and interesting people in what I consider paradise. That's the Palm Beach and Martin County areas where we live in South Florida. I have a fantastic guest today on the podcast. It's my good friend, my golfing buddy, and uh, kind of a guy who served as a longtime mentor to me, Ray Taylor, who is a founder of Excel Refrigeration. Ray built a beautiful business in uh, South Florida, and he even expanded the business that he built to another operation in South Carolina. Ray Taylor, welcome to the Business in Paradise podcast. Thank you, Carrie. Glad to be here. Ray, tell us a little bit about uh, how you started in the refrigeration business and what it was like when uh, you first were getting started in that in that business. Well, I uh, came out through high school through trade school, so I'm not a uh, college graduate, so to speak. So I'm a known in European terms as a hands worker. And uh, so that's where I, I got my big, my humble beginnings and started um, working on uh, air conditioning refrigeration systems uh, for about uh, seven or eight years until I had the opportunity to roll out on my own uh, and start the business in 1985. So 1985, you start your own business. How old are you at the time? 28. You're 28, you go off on your own. You've been doing this for uh, seven or eight years. And you're like, okay, I'm starting a business. How did that come about? What what inspired you? Did you have a customer when you went off? Or did you just say, I'm doing this on my own. I got my toolbox in my truck. It wasn't quite uh, that simple. We, uh, I, I was working, I was say, in a trade for seven or eight years. And I, I ran across uh, a, a business associate of my father who would, has, had just started a business doing supermarket refrigeration work. And he was in, in Palm Beach County. He was actually out of Melbourne. And he'd uh, finished a job over in Fort Myers and was doing a job uh, down here in Palm Beach County when I ran across that he was in the area. And um, because I'd known him for so long, um, my, as a friend of my father's, uh, he was looking for help and I was looking for opportunity. And I ended up going to work with him for about four years. So he was bringing teams and some guys down to do some jobs that we were working in Palm Beach County from, uh, from Brevard County and uh, worked with him for about four years. And he just kind of asked me one day if I would be interested in taking over the operation that we were working in Palm Beach County. We had about five or six guys, including myself. And um, he had some more work going north of him. And I'm like going, eh, you know, going into business for myself, it wasn't something that I ever was even considering, to be honest. And so I had to kind of think about it and decided to take the opportunity. So you're an accidental entrepreneur. Pretty much. Yeah. And when you started the business, um, was it smooth sailing uh, to begin with? Or were there times when you had to worry about 
How am I going to pay these guys that are working for me? How am I going to find the next job? What was that like? Um, the short term for that would be entrepreneurial terror. And that's kind of what I, I've experienced. It took me a while to understand where that term came from. Uh, once you experience it, you understand where, what it is. But I, uh, I took over, when we took over the, the project, we had two, a couple of construction projects that were in progress. We had three supermarkets that were under contract for service. So, and I was pretty much the only service tech that we had. The rest were construction pipe fitters. And um, we started, uh, uh, well, basically, we, we worked the first six or eight months just finishing the jobs that we took over. It was in November of 80, uh, 85, and I didn't sell my first contract for a construction project until June of uh, 86. So I was really nervous um, to land that first deal. Yeah. So you had some ongoing income or a little bit of income from the construction projects that you were wrapping up? Right, right. But he, yeah, he took um, part of the deal when I, when I bought in was to uh, pay him for what his his expenses were in the projects and I would finish up and take whatever I could make off it at the end. So that's, that's kind of the way it works. So yeah, I did, I, my, my paychecks kind of stacked on the, on the dresser for several months. All right. And so you, at this time, do you have a young family? Are you married at the time and you have kids? Yep. Yeah. Yes. We had, uh, we had, uh, the wife and I were, were second time married. So we had a child uh, from our first, first marriage and then we ended up having two more. And so, uh, your wife, Lisa, uh, was she working in the business at that point or was she working somewhere else? Yes, she was. She was actually our bookkeeper in the, uh, in the Palm Beach County office, keeping, uh, keeping things going. And then when we rolled on our own, she became my, uh, obviously my full term, full-time bookkeeper and, uh, you know, making sure that we were paying all of our taxes and our payroll and all that stuff was getting done. And she was pretty good at it. Yep. So the two of you, you're working together, you're in your late twenties. You got little kids and it's harder than heck. There's not very much money rolling in. I tell this story um, and I've probably mentioned it before on the podcast that when I first started my business in Chicago, there was a time when I couldn't make uh, the payroll without having to actually go borrow some money. Uh, and my father gave me a very short term loan. Fortunately, he was there to uh, be able to backstop me, but uh, there was a moment when Sharon and I looked at each other and we didn't have any money in our checking account to go buy groceries. So we literally went to the change jar that I kept on top of the dresser to find out how much cash I had available to buy groceries. I'm a financial advisor. I'd been in, in business for quite a few years at that point. This was 19 or 20 years ago, but I'd still been in business. And I should have known that when you're starting a business, you need to have a lot of capital. I thought I did. I had a very substantial amount of capital. It just didn't last long enough. So Ray, what was it? I mean, was it like that for you? You're kind of struggling to get started and your uh, back's against a wall and you know, I got to make this work. Well, I can tell you, <laughs> I had a lot less than you'd think I did when I started this deal because uh, the, the deal was uh, obviously for for the guy to take his uh costs and assets, which wasn't a whole lot. He wanted uh, 35, you know, just to give me an idea, roughly 35 grand to uh, just to spin off. And um, I didn't have the money. So I talked to dad and he second mortgaged the house and I borrowed 45,000 from my father. And um, 
gave uh, gave my boss the the, the thirty five grand, and I gave me a whopping ten thousand dollars of working capital, and that's what I started with. That's an amazing story, and uh, it's it's very nice that we both had fathers, and I'm grateful to my dad, Jack, who I was able to uh, uh, fall back on at a time in my career when I truly needed it, and uh, uh, he and my stepmother Nancy were very generous uh, to help me out at that time. So Ray, you you start this business. You've got this supermarket chain that you're doing uh, installation and construction work for, but eventually the business kind of morphs into more of a service business plus a construction business. Tell us a little bit about the progression of how uh, the business grew. Well, the, the, the business grew, but the the, uh, the business uh, and the grocery store and the service and construction side was kind of changing and evolving um, as they were growing. So they were doing things one way for a particular period of time and decided they were going to change up. At the time we, that we rolled into this, um, there was a one company pretty much doing all this particular customer's work. We were able to, to uh, pick off the service accounts by doing the construction. And they said, well, if you uh, give us a good price and we do the construction project, we'll let you keep the store. And that's how we kind of started the three stores. And then, um, you know, just you have to understand that you have to learn to accept change and nothing ever stays the same. And um, over time, this company um, faltered uh, and uh, they wanted some diversification and we ended up picking up more and more stores. The so, company that faltered was a company that was providing service to the supermarket chain. They were doing service and construction. Both of us were all, most everybody that in the business will do the install work and do the um, service work too. Okay. So you picked up some business because they weren't doing their job and you were Johnny on the spot uh, and they're looking at you and going, Hey, this guy knows what he's doing. Exactly. Where, you know, you try to provide a competitive advantage and, and a good quality product and, and uh, hopefully they, they want to keep using you and, um, and provide incentive for the uh, competition for the rest of the field too, to keep their prices down. So take us through from 1985, which uh, is 36 years ago, you start this thing. Uh, take us forward 10 years. In 1995 or somewhere around that time period, what did the business look like? Had it grown much by then? Oh yeah, we were probably um, and it had uh, 20, 25 stores at that point, uh, maybe 25, 30 people. When we started, we only had four or five. So we continued to grow. Um, at the time, Palm Beach County was really, really screaming. Um, we had the two major chains in the county. We didn't do the service work for one of them. We did all their construction and renovation work. And uh, between the two of them, they were 50, 50% of my business either way. And uh, they were popping up grocery stores and remodeling them almost every on every other corner. And so um, it was just for us to, you know, I, I had no idea how fast we would grow because they were growing and competing against each other. So we uh, trying to figure out how we're going to do all the work. And you know, my, my team, my guys are just saying, hey, don't worry about it, boss, just get the job. We'll, we'll get them done, you know. And so we're just running uh, just fast as we can to try to, you know, put, pick people up and, uh, you know, get these projects turned out on time. You know, and Ray, I hear the same story from so many successful entrepreneurs, especially in a period of rapid economic expansion. And it seems like in South Florida right now, we're going through this crazy time where it's almost impossible to be able to buy a house because there's 12 bidders. And it's almost impossible to be able to get a contractor over to your house to do any work because these guys are so busy. So as I think back to the growth that uh, you had with Excel, 
uh, it, it seems like it's very similar to uh, the experience that we're going through today. So you mentioned that you uh, called yourself, I love the term, hands worker. So, uh, and I know that one of your uh, big uh, passions is kind of helping people that are going through trade schools, because that's essentially, you went through, you started a trade, you built this uh, phenomenal business. Where did you find these people that uh, uh, ended up becoming your service people and your construction people? Well, yeah, you get them from um, various walks uh, of life. They come from, uh, some of them go through trade school and, and uh, looking to get into the business. Some have no idea what they're doing. They come in and uh, uh, basically the, some of the best people that we've had have come in totally green, had no idea. And uh, if they just like working with their hands. So if someone has the initiative and, and wants to learn uh, and has some technical skills or mechanical skills, I should say, righty, lighty, righty, righty tidy lefty loosey so to speak uh, we can teach you and uh, we can show you how to do it and, uh, and that's what we did we did a lot of a lot of on-the-job training and uh, and uh, quite often I heard from some of the people that they really like working for us because we spent the time to teach them to show them how to do it so just take a lot of pride in that bring us to today all right so today you've got Excel refrigeration you're in South Florida and you got an operation in uh, South Carolina What's the South Florida operation look like? How many people are working there? Who's running the business? <clears throat> okay, yeah, we um, uh, roughly probably about 90 people uh, working for uh, Florida operation. Um, the uh, owner and CEO now is, is uh, George Morris. Uh, I turned it over to him an inside deal um, last year because uh, it was time for me to, I felt like I needed to move on. <laughs> reaching that time so they're they're doing quite well and uh, I'm you know still working as a, a consultant advisor with them helping them out and um, so that's that's going quite well and then and then uh, South Carolina um, is an operation that we started about um, 10 years after say in the early 90s uh, moved my kid brother up there along with another um, tech that worked with me for five or six years he was ready to move on. To, he actually was thinking about going back to Buffalo, if you can believe it. Um, but uh, I just made them an offer uh, to go up to Carolina. I wanted to reinvest my uh, what we were doing. Uh, we were making a lot of cash, and uh, figure, you know, what are you going to do with that? I said, let's let's re let's roll it into what we do. And uh, I was able to talk to my customer and they give me a shot up in South Carolina because they were having trouble finding adequate uh, service um, and construction contractors in the area. And uh, so this, I made them an offer they, and we put it together. I, I moved those two up there uh, and offered them a 10% uh, stake in a new venture, a separate corporation and squeezed a few bucks out of them for some par value stock and gave, gave them ownership. So, uh, and they're still there today working that outstanding team. And how big is that team now in South Carolina? Uh, they're roughly in uh, about uh, 75, 80 employees. So they serve the entire state of South Carolina and uh, up into Charlotte, North Carolina, perimeters of Georgia. So uh, pretty wide, uh, wide and expanded territory. And um, they're doing, you know, probably about uh, 12, 10, 12 million a year. So from, from a very small investment, uh, which at the time obviously did not seem like a small investment to you. <laughs> In 1985, we've now got uh, employment for 170 or 180 people that is feeding them, that's providing these families with an income, that's giving them health insurance, and that's uh, giving them a job to do uh, every single day. Ray, you must feel 
pretty blessed, I guess, and pretty proud, not only of yourself, but your organization and Lisa, your wife, to be able to put all this together. How does that make you feel when you look back on this journey? It's definitely an extraordinary accomplishment. And um, I actually had my head in the trenches and working so hard all the years. I didn't, it just kind of happened without even realizing it. And uh, you just go, I mean, the customer calls you and you go, you know, and, and uh, it's just the way it, it, the way it rolled out. And uh, I've been blessed with some really great people, my, my brother and, and, uh, and Lisa, uh, just, we've been just getting it, getting it done, you know, just hard work, a lot of hard work. Yeah. And so one of the things that I know that you did a few years ago was that you kind of formalized a, a training process uh, inside of the firm so that uh, you could bring in new techs because this was not an industry where uh, people were just taught how to become a refrigeration person somewhere. So tell us uh, a little bit, does, is Excel University that you created? Uh, what's going on with that? Well, it's, it's kind of a start and stop thing. Uh, we call it XLU. Um, we had various things we put in there called Next Man Up as part of an apprenticeship program. And so my, uh, my team is keep looking for ways to innovate to do better training. Um, we're far from where we need to be with it. The big issue that we had, uh, you know, when I first started, we, went to, we had technical, skinners, technical centers in, uh, in Palm Beach County, vocational schools. And uh, that's where I got my start, although I didn't spend a lot of time there. But we had them and um, they provided uh, training, but they, they shut down all those programs. So they're not available anymore. They have the ones that uh, you can get the government loans for and what have you, but there's nobody out there teaching the skill. And um, so we have to do it ourselves. Um, that's the only way, the only way we're going to get people. One of the things that uh, I also heard you say it was kind of a motto for the company was uh, it's, is it, it's cool. It's cool to make stuff cold. It's cool to make stuff cold. Uh, that's pretty, uh, neat. Does, is that on the side of your trucks? Yes, it is. It is. And actually that was, uh, uh, something that I didn't even realize I knew about. And it's actually speaks to my, my company team and philosophy, uh, as something that's fun to do. Uh, as you know, I'm part of a Vistage team and we had a speaker to come and talk to us about marketing and I have, you know, and, uh, all these years never had a salesperson or a marketing plan. We just uh, specialize in what we do as our little, our little groove and, uh, and just, uh, you know, they send the plans, we send the price and then send the team and get it done. So uh, listening to this guy and he's maybe realized at the, uh, at the end of the program that, uh, I need to market to my people. Uh, so once you market to your people and, and put out a product that, can people can enjoy making a living and learning how to, to do something productive, uh, then they become good employees that you can use to sell that product to your customer. So, uh, but the cool to make stuff cold came when I thought about my, my beginnings and, you know, working in a shop and learning the trade and throwing the equipment up on the, on the table and piecing it together and plugging it in. And all of a sudden it's magic. This thing's cold. And I go, man, that's, that's cool. <laughs> 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 so uh, it's just the science of refrigeration is uh, is, is pretty uh, pretty unique and it's it's kind of a cool thing to do. So I, that's why I went with it. So you mentioned Vistage, which I know you've been a part of for a very long period of time. And for our listeners that are unaware of what Vistage is, give them a little bit of background of what it uh, has done for your business and um, uh, how you've used Vistage as kind of a uh, outside resource. Uh, well, I, I, I guess before I got into Vistas, what, what got me going with, with the business climate and, you know, once you start a business, uh, and I've heard some of your, 
other people talk about this before. Just, uh, you're the you're you're the man, and um, there's no one else to ask when the problems and situations arise for uh, for where you go next. Uh, your back's up against the wall, so to speak. So uh, my faith got a lot stronger at that point. I can tell you that. But uh, I got involved in trade associations. Uh, Palm Beach County air conditioning contractors and the Florida air conditioning contractors. I went through those chairs and past president of both associations, actually, and then spent time at the uh, state and national uh, conventions where you hang out with other contractors and even the local contractors. You thought there were some superstar at some point when you're working stiff. Um, you realize that they put their pants on just like you do. And if that guy can do it, you sure, sure as heck can do it, too. And that's kind of where I built my confidence. Uh, and so I did that. And then after about 10 or 12 years of doing that stuff, I kind of took a, a permanent sabbatical from, from boards and committees. <laughs> Working all these days and night shifts and then going to all these meetings was, was a drag on my family and my time. But uh, a Vistage member that was my CPA called me one day and says, uh, I'd like you to come to one of our meetings. And I did. And it was like, it was like a deja vu moment for me because I was able to re-experience what I was doing with the trade association thing. And, but this was a little different because I was able to spend time with other CEOs and owners of businesses, roughly uh, 15 or 18 different companies uh, and share experiences. Uh, we weren't competitors, uh, so we could talk about everything, but we all have the same issues with dealing with, with uh, operational businesses and insurances and uh, personnel issues and people. those type of thing. People. It's all, everything we do is people business. And uh, it was just great. Um, I mean, right off the get-go the first year, I hired a CFO uh, as recommended and, and uh, just a lot of great ideas. And it was uh, actually quite a blessing, to be honest with you. Yeah. So, so you joined Vistage and how long ago was that approximately? Uh, about seven years, eight years ago. About seven or eight years ago. And Lisa, uh, until uh, you essentially kind of stepped aside from uh, the day-to-day -day operations of the business. Was Lisa there uh, pretty much the whole time, the whole run? Um, she's been out for, I don't know, five, five eight years maybe. So, um, But she's always had her foot in the door and helping out when they needed something. Um, got up to you know, close out the year and that type of thing. She could log in or come into the office and help pound some stuff out for them. So she's always had her her foot in the door, you know, and, and as an owner, uh, you always want to have your pulse on, uh, on making sure things are getting done to protect your own interests. So yes, uh, not in the office day to day, but for sure, keep an eye on things. And for folks that don't know my story, my wife, Sharon, and I met uh, working together at the same investment firm in downtown Chicago. And we ended up actually uh, working together and on our financial planning business in the early years. Our daughter, Sarah, came along and Sharon took uh, a number of years uh, sabbatical to, uh, to raise Sarah. But uh, she's back in the office now. She works here part time and uh, does really some nice things for the firm where she uh, make sure that all of our clients, their birthdays are acknowledged and their anniversaries are acknowledged. And if they're sick, we send them a wellness basket and things like that. And she's, she's really, really invaluable because she knows the clients, they know her, and uh, it's just great to help build a relationship. However, sometimes when you're in the office together and then you go home together, uh, you take stuff home and you want to try to separate it. How were you and Lisa able to navigate that and work together and then go home together at night and um, 
uh, feel, feel like, you know, it was a workable relationship. How'd you guys do it? Uh, well, we, we got along very well and um, probably because at least because she's, <laughs> she's easy. She's really easy to get along with and is very understanding and not patient, patient, but, um, but it takes two, it takes two to do it. And, um, you know, she pretty much, you know, was a back office person and, and just kept, kept grinding all day long on numbers. And uh, I was out all day long. So we didn't really see each other face to face all day long, but it's still, when you come home, you have business to talk about. Sometimes, you, you know, uh, you don't get our, our kind of a, a stand, I don't know, say how you, how you put it. When we wanted to talk shop at home, we, we would talk as long as we both agreed that we wanted to. If either one of us decided we didn't want to talk business anymore, we kind of like hold our hand up and like simulate a punching a time clock, like I'm clocked out. And uh, so what either one of us would clock out, uh, that was it. There was no more conversation. And I think that was uh, probably the smartest thing that we ever did because, uh, you know, we didn't have to sit there and have to quarrel about anything. We've never never had a, a quarrel about about work per se i mean that was anytime serious but uh, well that's a great uh, agreement i'm yeah. punching out and in along the way you raised four kids together yes yes uh and both of you worked in the business yes any of your kids in the business today nope no nope. no nope. they didn't really have that uh didn't have that desire and interest no nope. so ray speaking of kids let's go back to when you were younger all right. You mentioned uh, that, uh, you know, your father was uh, was there for you. He was available. What kind of business were your parents in? My mom was a homemaker, um, so she never worked. Uh, and my uh, my father held various jobs. He was always looking for a opportunity to get into some kind of business where he thought he was going to take over the world. And uh, But he never had financial capital in order to do it. But he, uh, you know, raising four boys uh, was a, a challenge for mom. <laughs> and, uh, but, but dad always, uh, he always had a job. He was always provide for the family. So we never went without, we always had a, a, a home. We always had vehicles. We always had food. So uh, he always provided for us, but he always had this dream of wanting to do something. And um, I think he kind of, kind of lived it through me at the point when he, when he wrote the, wrote the check for me. Uh, I ended up 45 grand on a uh, 12% loan, 20 year payback term. I ended up paying them back about 10 years after the fact, hundred uh, percent. Data I was sworn in as the uh, state association president. I brought him on the stage during my opening statements and thanked him for his, for his uh, contribution to our success and uh, gave him back the rest of his money. So worked out. that's awesome. And Ray, where did you grow up? I grew up in South Florida, down in South Broward area, and then uh, moved up. The family moved up in the middle of my high school years in, um, in 1972 to Palm Beach County. You went to high school right here somewhere? Uh, yeah, yeah, in Lake Worth. Okay. So you live here, you start your business here. Uh, I think for a while you lived on, um, uh, was it Manalapan? Uh, it was Hypoluxo Island. Hypoluxo Island, okay. Mm -hmm. uh, right, right down uh, next to Palm Beach. And now uh, to uh, make sure that you have plenty of time to get out and play some golf, you're uh, living near your golf club in uh, West Palm Beach, right? That's correct. That's awesome. And, and Ray, when you were a kid, okay, you're growing up in Broward County or, or uh, Palm Beach. Mm -hmm. Did you ever imagine 
that you would create a company that would employ 180 people, that you would be able to have the lifestyle that uh, you're able to enjoy today. And, you know, just kind of have complete freedom uh, around how you spend your time. No, no, not ever, not even for a second. Um, as a young kid, I was probably like, well, like most kids, uh, we didn't have electronic games. So we were outside playing ball. And, but most of the time, my brother and I, we were running around the neighborhood with our lawnmower and edger making money, cutting grass and then uh, doing newspapers and, you know, Simpson thing going through, uh, through the, you know, working at restaurants, bus boys and that type of thing. And then, so, but I never uh, thought it was uh, my uh, senior year in high school going to senior year. And I decided, I said, I need to figure out what I'm going to do. Uh, so I said, go in the air conditioning business. My dad worked in a, uh, wholesale parts in air conditioning industry. He wasn't a service tech at that time. He'd been probably 25 years of doing that type of work. Uh, so that's what I went out and, um, I went through uh, tech at tech that time. Uh, I only went there in my senior year. You could go full-time, uh, you could go full-time and exempt all your academic classes. And I wasn't a, a great, uh, student, by the way, I, to me, D meant diploma. And uh, that's kind of went. I just well, I did enough to get by. I took all the easiest classes I could get. I just I hated school. And I wasn't a I wasn't a rocket scientist. I can tell you that. But I uh, I went in, hooked up with a guy, and we were buddies uh, going to tech school. You have to understand in those days, tech school was, um, let's say the the misfits in school kind of got shoveled that way. You know, it's like get out of my classroom, go to tech school, and uh, so you dealt with those guys too. You know, when you're you're doing that. But uh, the very first weekend in, in my senior year, they're doing full time tech school. The longtime instructor broke his ankle on Labor Day weekend, which is the first week of school. So we had a substitute teacher, and so nobody was learning anything. So me and my buddy Tony, we just kind of hooked up. We'd go fishing all night at the bridge and then we'd go to tech school the next day and we would teach ourselves, And uh, that's what I did. And then after the first of the year, uh, I was eligible for uh, SIE, which is school industry education, which typically means uh, you can go to work full time if you can get a job and you get a credit. So I went to work uh, eight to five from January all the way to June, took my graduation credits and never even saw a classroom. So that's, that's how I got my foot in the door. Uh, that's uh, that's where vocational was at the time. Uh, and this this was through the public schools. Yeah, public schools. Okay. Yes. And you and right now that's not an option for most kids. No. I know there's some things. There's like the uh, uh, marine industry, uh, the marine high school, but it's very small. And then there's the um, you know some some art schools and the G Star School and uh, the southern part of or uh, down down towards uh, West Palm Beach. But I don't really think that we have uh, much in terms of a technical school for plumbers or electricians or refrigeration people anymore. So that's too bad. Yeah, it is. It's, yeah. it's, it's, uh, it's, it's not good. Now, the Palm Beach air conditioning contractors do support a, uh, an apprenticeship program that we had several guys go through over the years. And some of my best techs came through that program. It's a four-year program that, that the contractor pays for. And so you're employed and, uh, you get to learn that way, but it's a four-year program, two nights a week. You know, Ray, as I've been in the business, one of the things that I've thought about over the years and every year, I try to think of somebody new to kind of look back on and thank them for how they've helped me along the way. I've had a lot of mentors, people that have really been uh, instrumental in getting me achieve things or to sometimes just tell me that uh, my thinking is stinking 
and that uh, I need to uh, make some changes and that I don't always have all of the answers, but they guided me with a, in a very gentle manner with a firm hand. As you think back on your career, are there a couple of special mentors or somebody that you say, geez, this person really had a major impact on my life? Well, the guy that I spun off from was, like I said, was an associate um, friend um, that my dad, uh, we spent time with, uh, we'd go up and visit him. And so I would come because I was one of the kids I had to go. But uh, he was, um, he, he was kind of my mentor because uh, the guy was uh, high energy and um, hard work, 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 work. And um, he did a lot with little. He never had a lot of money, but he was very creative and he could make uh, something out of nothing. And he could, uh, you know, he'd get it running. I don't care one way he'd figure it out. Uh, and uh, that always impressed me. And um, it kind of kind of gave me a road to follow, a uh, great roadmap. Now, when you start a business, uh, I always said one of the things that kind of bugged me as I'm going down that road and thinking about starting my business, I'm like, well, what kind of person do you want to be? Uh, how, what kind of boss are you going to be? You think of all the people that you work for in your career, you know, and some of them you like, and some of them you didn't. So those are the people that influence you as you're coming around. And I'm going, you know, I, well, who am I going to be? Who am I going to emulate? I'm like, do, what, who would I want to be like? And I couldn't think of anybody. But what I found out in the long term was you, you just have to be yourself. You have to find yourself and then uh, create your own identity. And uh, I've always wanted to be, um, to do the right thing, uh, you know, what my success story and, and as far as how I su survived this, this whole, uh, this whole growth stuff was how do you, you know, how do you make it work? It's, um, you see, uh, you, you treat your customers, uh, better than anything you can do. Give them what you said you're going to give them, give them the best product and service you could possibly give them and be fair about everything. And then you treat your people with the utmost respect and give them what they need in order to make decent, excuse me, decent, decent living. And those types of things, if you do those things, uh, and I use logic, I use logic. Uh, you know, I didn't, I don't have an MBA, uh, but you use common sense and logic and you put those things together and you treat your customer right and you take care of your people, then your business will survive. Uh, and I tell them that and we run up against the wall in our business several times where competitors are, are uh, you know, taking our people for a few bucks more an hour and work gets slow. What do you do? And I just say, you know, we're the best. We're, we're going to continue to deliver the best and things will take care of themselves. Don't worry about it. And yeah, Ray, that's great advice. You just uh, I think the idea that you have to just be yourself as you deal with your team is uh, uh holds true here. I think my team will tell you that uh, I like to teach sometimes perhaps a little bit too directly, but uh, you know, that's who I am. Uh, I give advice all day long for a living. And uh, when I sit down with my team, I want to make them as strong, as smart and uh, uh, educated as they possibly can be. And let me ask you this. So if you were talking to a young person, maybe this 28 year old version of you, but they're here today. And they're thinking about going into the business that you just kind of uh, finished up your career in refrigeration. What advice would you give to them 
about starting a refrigeration business today that you think would make them as successful or even more successful uh, than you had over the last 36 years? Yeah, it's an interesting question. Um, everyone says, yeah, you can't do today what you did before. because <laughs> It'll take a lot more cash than I had, I think. <laughs> but uh, money aside, um, uh, I mean, they can get into a business, they can buy a business. There's always ways to get around that. But I would say, you know, just like this, what I just said, I mean, you have to, you have to be yourself and you have to uh, be straightforward and honest with your people and your customers. And, and you just have, you just have to figure out how you're going to be better than the next guy and, uh, and drive your people to understand that. And I would imagine you also need to maintain relationships. You had two uh, very substantial customers and those had to be delicate relationship balances uh, over the years. And in the supermarket business, uh, I know from uh, personal experience talking to other people that work in that uh, industry, that uh, they don't like to pay a lot of money for things like construction or service. Uh, and so you need to make sure that whatever you're doing is delivered in a way that you can actually make a profit uh, on dealing with those types of folks. How important is the ability to maintain those relationships and to be able to negotiate with those big customers? It's very important. And, but the problem is coming to the point where a lot of times you don't have ability to deal with them anymore. They're gotten so big that they have so many intermediaries that block you from the people you need to talk to. Fortunately for me, the two big companies that I work for, I had close relationships with. Now, one of them has pretty much gone to the wayside and I haven't been dealing with them for, for 15, 20 years. But the other one, I still have uh, somewhat personal relationships. But as they grow, they change. And then um, the people that directly work uh, and provide me with, with the contracts change. Every four or five years, I'm dealing with somebody new. I'm used to working with someone for five or 10 years and they get promoted or retired or they're gone. And so I have to keep you know reworking my relationships with somebody else. But I'm happy that they're at least still talking to me. We've had some customers uh, out of Minnesota, one of the big chains, got the big red bullseye, you know, target dog. <laughs> for instance, uh, I don't do much work for them, but, but they don't know, have anybody you can call and talk to. There's just no way. And so um, it's very difficult for me to have a relationship with someone that doesn't want to talk to you. So that's, me. that definitely has to be interesting. Wow. So um, Ray, you live in South Florida. You've chosen to make this your home at any point you could have chosen, you know, within the last uh, so many years, you could have chosen to leave South Florida. And I know you and Lisa get away. You've got a beautiful place um, uh, north of here in the mountains that uh, you're able to go in when it's really hot here, play golf uh, uh, there, or just, just use it as a getaway. But I called the podcast Business in Paradise because I truly believe that living here in Palm Beach in Martin County is just amazing. And uh, so what has it meant to you to be able to live here in Palm Beach County? Why have you stayed? Well, I guess the first thing you'd have to say, you know, you're in the air conditioning business. Um, Florida wouldn't be here if it wasn't an air conditioner in town. So <laughs> nobody would be here. So, uh, but it is, it is a, look, I've had a chance to travel in a lot of places in the last 25 years and uh, there's really no place like South Florida. Um, uh, it's great. Uh, the weather's great. 
um, the people are great, but all this getting a little crowded in some places, but um, it's, it really is uh, any economy. I mean, people just keep coming and the, and the growth opportunity is still there. And in my business with uh, with supermarket work, if these, this equipment runs 24 seven. So um, if they, when they slow down new construction, we got to go back and replace the other stuff that keeps continually breaking down or, you know, renovating, put in, uh, tear the old out, put in the new. So it's, it's a, uh, it's a cycle. It just keeps going and going and going. So uh, yeah. Yeah. No doubt a better place or an industry to work in, to be honest. It's pretty much recession-proof. All right. And Ray, now that you're kind of at the next phase in your journey, uh, which we're, I guess, calling essentially or semi-retirement, uh, your time is, for the most part, your own. What are you and Lisa doing to um, enjoy life now? Well, you know, I've certainly brought my handicap down in the last 10 or 12 months. So that, that's kind of nice. But there's going to be more to life than that, we know. But uh, I wanted to, and uh, the COVID situation kind of bumped me back a little bit because of the schools, is to go out and the, uh, outreach, outreach the uh, community um, to um, talk to uh, kids in the middle and high school about uh, careers and trades. And um, because we know they're all not going to college and uh, they don't have the means but I think they all have skills. Everybody has skills. And if I can show them uh, what they can do that, uh, you know, the light switch uh, just doesn't get there by itself and the hot water doesn't come on when you turn it on, someone has to put all that stuff in and roofing is important and all that. So it, to me, it's not about which trade you get into. It's the fact that you get into something. And in fact, if you, you feel good about uh, uh, building something, uh, you know, when we put a store together and we run all that pipe and we go and we flip that switch and turn it on and it starts, it starts getting cold. Uh, you know, it's, it's a pretty amazing thing. And, and it's, it's rewarding uh, in any trade, uh, you know, to uh, whether you're a carpenter or electrician or plumber. And, and I think I can show uh, and convince kids and I want to figure out how I can help assist them financially, uh, whatever I can do to, uh, to move them forward in a, in a, uh, in a fulfilling career. Ray, you've had a phenomenal career uh, in, in an amazing story, starting out with almost nothing in 1985 to a company that employs almost uh, 200 people today, uh, living a life that many people would only uh, dream about. I know you've played golf all over the world. I know that uh, you're a very generous person and that you also have the ability to essentially do anything that you want at this stage in your life. That's got to feel very satisfying. So Ray, congratulations. You truly are a great example of uh, somebody that has built a business in paradise. And it's been great to have you uh, on the podcast today. You're a great friend. And I truly appreciate you taking the time to share this with our listeners. Thank you, Gary. It's my pleasure. This has been the Business in Paradise podcast. I'm your host, Gary Stamp. We're broadcasting from Tequesta, Florida. And Ray Taylor, the founder of Excel Refrigeration has been my phenomenal guest today. Thank you for listening. Thank you for listening to the Business in Paradise Palm Beach podcast with Carrie Stamp, founder of Carrie Stamp and Company, Principal Wealth Advisors. Click the subscribe button below to be notified when new episodes become available. The information covered and posted represents the views and opinions of the guests and does not necessarily represent the views or opinions of the Commonwealth Financial Network. The content has been made available for informational and educational purposes only. The content is not intended to be a substitute for professional investing advice. 
Always seek the advice of your financial advisor or other qualified financial service provider with any questions you may have regarding your investment planning. Carrie Stamp and Company is located at 110 Bridge Road, Dequesta, Florida, 33469. Securities and advisory services offered through Commonwealth Financial Network member FINRA SIPC, a registered investment advisor.